Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoff WFAN. You can always follow me Monday through Friday on the Tiki and Tyranny Show, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. But I am here with uh, some updates in the UFC world, in the MMA world, in the boxing world. So we'll get into a bunch of stuff. First off, the biggest news. Uh, we talked about this on the last episode after the uh, Strickland fight that Francis Ngannou was basically sounded like his ties were done with the UFC. It became official. Francis Ngannou is a free agent. We do not know where he's going yet. There's plenty of options. Um, but Francis Ngannou is basically out of the UFC and things have come up. Uh, he had that interview, exclusive interview with Ariel Hawani, which basically said, what was he looking for in the UFC? Was he looking for, what was there, what was Francis Ngannou's demands? Because Basically, this is the equivalent of a an Aaron Judge type player. Uh, I'm trying to think right now who in the NFL. Uh, Derek Carr, no. Daniel Jones, no. Lamar Jackson, maybe. But again, his injuries gives you questions. But like, think about the top elite players. Basically hitting free agency, but wanting to stay with their team, but the team don't want to play hard is playing hardball. Carlos Correa going to the Giants rather than staying with the Twins. You know what I mean? Like Aaron Judge almost went to the Giants as well. But if the Yankees didn't come with that extra year, maybe Aaron Judge wouldn't be a New York Yankee. Well, Francis Ngannou. Never really pushed hard for the money. He was considering sticking around. But it didn't seem right. It felt like he was bending over backwards. That's what that's that's the basic MO from what I got from his interview with Errol Hawani. He wanted to do if he did if he stuck with the UFC, basically he would have been everybody else. He would have bowed down to the UFC and would not have helped other fighters. And that's really what it comes down to right now. We're going to get into Jake Paul in a second because he's got some news as well, whether or not it's going to happen. He's got some news that's out there. Um, But 
Jake Paul has been basically saying over and over and over how UFC continues to underpay their fighters. And I hate to keep on pounding that narrative, but it's continuous. Demetrius Johnson just came out and said, and even in title fights, I think even his last title fight, I think he was making 30-30, which means $30,000 to show up and another $30,000 to win. You're talking about Demetrius Johnson, who's one of the best fighters of all time in the UFC, the best flyweight of all time, guaranteed, no, no questions asked. He held on to that flyweight belt for quite some time. He made it look easy for quite some time, and yet the amount of money he was getting paid, if that's really what it was, now I don't know if that was his last final fight in the UFC, but for a time being, they were thinking about getting rid of the flyweight division altogether. But for title fights, for a title fight to make 30-30 is ridiculous. And, And... Again, this is a different, tougher industry to talk about because it's a lot of individuals, right? It's not, we're not talking about 30 teams. And in that team, there's a salary cap. And in that salary cap, uh, you know, you have to fit in a roster. No, the roster is whatever the UFC deems. They make cuts, they add people, they cut people, they add people, they cut people. You know, and they could choose to pay people their minimums. They have the advertisers. They have, you know, whatever they want to do. They have the pay-per-view money. They have a lot of different language that I'm not going to sit there and lie to you and say that I know every ounce of it. But some people get paid handsomely. Some people don't. Some people, they'll bend over a little bit more backwards for. Some people, they won't. Nate Diaz, they said, see you later, Nate Diaz. Jorge Masvidal, they tend, they they so far, Jorge Masvidal, has threatened to leave, but then they keep him around. So I, I don't know. Conor McGregor, they've, not say bent over backwards, but they've done enough to keep Conor McGregor and they pay him well. And a lot of his money's advertising money too, and his own advertising money. So we all know the UFC does not, it's not, it's, this is not something I'm pulling from, you know, left field. I think everybody that's a UFC fan that knows anything about the money situation knows that the UFC does not pay their fighters well. And Francis Ngannou, who is an elite fighter, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, and currently is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, currently one of the greatest heavyweights in any single promotion, in combat sports, in a, at his elite level right now, it's a peak. He's not, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. And yet the UFC said, "Go find somewhere else. Do what you want to do." They the narrative was he wouldn't fight certain people. The narrative was he was scared. The narrative was he ran away from fights. Now is there like a little possibility that maybe? They were offering him some names that he wasn't interested in. I mean, he went on with Eric Hawani and said he was expecting to fight Stipe and John Jones. And he had three fights lined up, and one of them was Stipe, and two of them were John Jones. Those are the three fights that he wanted to fight. 
Maybe they threw some other names at him and he wasn't interested. And that's always a possibility. But again, Francis Ngannou, they made him look like he was some scary, scary cat, some, some, someone running away from a challenge. Guy wants to get paid. The guy came from, and I understand that they found him. It's a difference too. Some of these guys, you know, come from other promotions. They basically found Francis Ngannou before he was anything, and they have helped. And they've had an issue with Francis before too. If you remember. After that Stipe loss, looked like Francis lost his way for a little bit. He had a rough fight with Derek Lewis, and it just felt like two fights in a row he lost. It looked like he had lost himself. He had to go somewhere, maybe whatever it was, whether it was because he was a rock star or the loss to Stipe really hurt him and he just needed to mentally find himself again. It looked like they had lost him for a moment. But he's back. Like, you saw the Cyril Gaunt fight. He was great. And that was a difficult matchup for him. The Stephen Miocic fight, he was dominant. The Curtis Blades fight was just, you know, on a different level. You go up and down Francis Ngannou's career, minus the two fights he lost between the Derek Lewis no-show Stipe Miocic fight, he, he's been ridiculous. He's been everything and more that the UFC could ask for. So it's just odd that they really tried to build a narrative to make him, you know, be the bad guy. It's not odd that they made, made him look like he was the bad guy or try to make him look like he was a bad guy. It's odd that they'd go that route and not try to keep him around. You know, again, we've seen we've seen other people leave the UFC. It's not like it's the only promotion, which is a good thing. You That is a good thing for... For combat sports, it's a good thing for fighters all over the the world that there could be another place to go to that's not just the UFC. And then again, if you see the PFL, if you see the if you see Bellator, if you see some of these other promotions, there's opportunities out there for a lot of other people. And maybe still UFC may be the best promotion out there. People dream to be in the UFC and to fight in the UFC, um, but there's other places to make money too. So that that is a good reminder for yourself. Just just for any fighter out there, it is a good problem to have that there's other promotions. I mean, look, BKFC's looking at Francis Ngannou. Then there's actually boxing. You know, there are. And again, I this this is the one thing that that I do not want to see. And I again, I love Francis Ngannou. I think he could knock out anybody, but. Francis Ngannou knocking out somebody, going in there and taking, you know, being the the force that he is in the heavyweight division. In an MMA fight, it's a little different because you have a lot of different attacks you can make and it's a little bit more freestyle. In boxing, it's a one-on-one competition and I'm going to try to outbox you. And though I like the idea of him fighting a Tyson Fury... Maybe an Anthony Joshua in the future. First of all, these things are very difficult to create. We all know that it's, it takes forever for boxing matches to, ma- to be made up. So I don't want this to be like a, we're going to get Francis Ngannou to train. He's going to be the next boxer. And we're going to set up some sick fights uh, in the boxing world. Those fights may never happen because Tyson Fury's probably booked or maybe booked or you know to, to get that to happen may take a while. 
Same thing with Joshua. Deontay Wilder is a name that makes a lot of sense because Wilder and Francis, though Wilder's more uh, skilled in the boxing area, the biggest asset of Deontay Wilder is his one-punch knockout power, and that's Francis Ngannou in a nutshell as well. He, they both have power. It'd be very interesting to see the two of them go toe-to-toe, see if, if Ngannou can outstrike or you know outpower Deontay Wilder. But is that really... It's almost like these slap fights. It's like, let's see if someone can you know, slap you unconscious. This is going to be like, it's not It's not going to be a pretty fight. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be someone sitting there jabbing and trying to duck and weave and see if they can put a combo out there. And, you know, no, they're just going to go swing for the fences and see if we can land one punch that's going to end your night. Is that fun? Is that entertaining? I mean, to be fair, that's been uh, some of Francis's fights in the past anyway. Alistair Overy. You look at, it, you look at that fight and say, well, he just was swinging for the fences and connected and sent over him flying. Rosenstrike, Curtis Blades, you name it. I mean, he's the Stipe Miocic fight. But the Miocic fight, at least, you know, Miocic went to try to take him down, tried to wrestle him. That didn't work the second time. And he, he ninety nine. But there's more, there's different levels, there's different expectations coming in an MMA fight compared to a boxing fight. So that's where I'm a little disappointed with. I really don't want to go down that line of, Francis Ngannou, listen, again, I, I'd like him to get paid. That's, I'm going to get that out of the way. This is not a question about money. Whatever gets Francis Ngannou paid the most, I'm all for it. I'm very happy with it. That's okay. If it's a boxing world that we have to live in for a little bit, it'll be disappointing because I just don't see it being active enough for Francis. I think that whatever matchup he may have, whether it is a Deontay Wilder, it's going to take way too long for you or I to see that fight um, right away. It's not going to happen right away, and it's going to delay a lot of things. Now, Francis might say he wants to get ready. He wants to get fighting. I just don't see how in the boxing world things turn around as quick as they do. It doesn't usually happen like that. It never does. For example, Jake Paul has announced he's going to fight Tommy Fury for, what, the third or fourth time or whatever it is now. It's going to be February. I joked, what year? Because we don't even know anymore. I mean, the likelihood of this thing happening, I still say it's 50-50 at best. But they say it's going to happen February 25th of this year. It sounded like there's some reports coming out today that they're they're really trying to hammer this one out and get it done. But I'll see it. When, I'll believe it when I see it because this has happened. This has been signed on. This has been said about multiple, multiple times, and they never come through. This is the Dylan da- uh, Dylan Dennis model: is to go out there and say something, set something up, and never fighting. So, Tommy Fury, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. That's what it comes down to. Uh, and that's what my scare is about the Francis Ngannou stuff is that we're going to see fights scheduled and maybe they get called off and maybe they get pushed back and Francis Ngannou goes from being active. Like, I mean, think about it. Francis Ngannou, I think, hasn't has fought in a year. The last fight was the championship fight where he defended against uh, Cyril Ghosn. I don't, I, if I'm correct, he hasn't fought since then. And I know that he was recovering from injury, but if you put him in a boxing ring and it's going to take time for him to train, and it's going to take time for his uh, opposition to train and to, to establish that and where they what, what arena are they going to get it? It's going to take a long time 
Boxing takes way too long. And I don't have patience for it, which is why I like the UFC so much. Because they really do, and we'll get to that in a second, they really do turn things around. So to end on the Francis Ngannou stuff, listen, again, do not take the UFC parting ways with Francis Ngannou, meaning that Francis Ngannou's done, he wasn't ready for a challenge, uh, too difficult. No, it is strictly the UFC did not want to pay him. End of story. And Francis Ngannou, there's plenty of promotions out there. He will get paid a premium to do what he does. BKFC is looking to pay him. Again, PFL, Bellator, boxing. There's so many different promotions out there that are willing or willing to put themselves out there to get him to be part of their promotion. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about Francis as far as getting paid. It's now more of what are we going to see him match up with? Because that's the other thing too. Boxing. You know, if he fights Deontay Wilder, great. Who else after that? In the PFL, what's the level of competition in the PFL? No offense to the PFL, no offense to Bellator, but the UFC had the best competition. So there's a lot of things that go with with Francis Ngannou stepping away from UFC. Now there's always this possibility too. You could do two or three three fight promotion, uh, two or three fights with a promotion. Get them out of the way quick, and then go back to the UFC. I mean, I still think there's going to be some sort of match, um, matchmaking with the UFC in the future. I do not see Francis Ngannou uh, stepping away from the UFC forever. We've seen that before with many different fighters as well. They take a step back, they go somewhere else, make some money, come back to the UFC because promotions aren't that good. And let's be fair, they just aren't. But we'll see that when it happens. All right. So the the but. Like I was saying, Dana White, the one thing I will always say is that he turns things around quickly. He pivoted very quickly from the Francis Ngannou stuff. UFC 285 uh, in in March, uh, is it 20, March 4th, Las Vegas. There you go. 18th is the UFC 286, I believe it's March 18th, and that's Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards 3. Uh, which is going to be a good fight. But they announced, they just put out a release a little while ago. It's John Jones for Cyril Gunn for the heavyweight title. They also announced some other fights on there too, which is pretty dope. Uh, let's get to it. Let's see. Who's on there? You got Vivian Arujo, who I, I'm a big fan of hers, flyweight fighting Amanda Rebus. You have Bo Nickel making his UFC UFC de- debut versus Jamie Pickett. You got Jeff Neal versus uh, Shavkat Rachmanov. And I put Rachmanov on my list of, of welterweights who may be able to take the belt in 20, uh, 2023. So that's interesting to look at Rachmanov because, again, I think he's he's 16-0. He's an unbelievable presence in the welterweight division. Jeff Neal's no joke, but I think Rachmanov is going to be able to, not to make quick work, but he'll be able to, to run through Neal and continue to make a, a statement in the welterweight division. You got Derek Brunson versus Dreykus Duplessis. You got Cody Garbrandt. Um, again, I love Cody. He's going up against Julio Arce. It's a good fight. Julio Arce is a good boxer. Cody's a good boxer. It's going to be a fun fight, scrappy fight. I'm actually looking forward to that. I'm hoping that Cody comes back, but I'm also a fan of Julio Arce too. He's a... Um, He's a Tiger Showman's guy, so that's that's a that'll be a fun fight. You got Julian Marquez versus Mark Andre Berlalt, uh, Komalo Kirk versus Esteban Rubovics. 
You got Damon Blackshear versus Farid Basharat. Uh, didn't Basharat just fight? I think it's another different Basharat. And then you got Jessica Penne versus Tabitha Ricci. Now, did that was that the fight that was rescheduled? I think they were scheduled to fight towards the end of December. Uh, and and Payne, Jessica Pena, Penne, um, I had to pull that last minute, but Ricci was available. So I think they rescheduled. I think it's a rescheduled fight. But that Tabitha Ricci is very interesting in the strawweight division. I'm excited about that. There was all the breaking news too. Where's the date? I think it's April. Um, let me see if I have that now. It is Valentina Shevchenko. But do they have? Did they release the date? Hmm. Hold on one second. I tweeted it out earlier. Did they have the date on it? And I, listen, this is a. Yeah, it's a. Oh, it's UFC 285 as well. But they don't have it on this one. Hmm. Interesting. So I have. This was. They did not put this on. It's probably just signed in verbal agreement, but not officially uh, signed on paperwork. But according to this, Valentina Shevchenko and Alexa Grasso are fighting for the uh, that flyweight title, which is great. That's good. This is honestly what needs to happen because Nunez, I believe, well, Pennington put out there, I think she's up in number two now in ranking. I'd like to see Nunez be active and fight somebody. If Chevchenko beats Grasso, which I think she will, Nunez fights whoever she's going to fight, I think there's a real possibility that Valentina Shevchenko uh, looks to fight for that bantamweight belt again and look to fight Amanda Nunez and get the... That's the one loss on Valentina Shevchenko's career that she has not been able... She now says that's two times versus first Amanda, uh, Amanda Nunez that she has not been able to beat her. But again... Didn't really lose to her either. Like, if you look at that last couple, the, the two fights that, that she had, I think it was the second one where there was a lot of inactivity for man, versus Amanda Nunes. Shevchenko might have seemed a little hesitant, but regardless, Shevchenko didn't really lose anything. She didn't win, but she didn't lose. So it's one of those, like, toss-up fights where it's like, you got to go to the judges. The judges don't really know what to look at. They didn't see enough from either side, and they go with the champion, uh, Amanda Nunes. So I think Shevchenko... Seeing the killer that she is, I I think that she saw Juliana Pena find a way to beat Amanda Nunes. I think Shevchenko has the best opportunity right now of all the bantamweights, even though she's not a bantamweight. And I know she doesn't want to go up in weight class, but I think that's the challenge for her. She's getting tired of this flyweight division. Not saying that Alexa Grasso is, is a pushover. But I do think Valentina Shevchenko is just at an elite level compared to a lot of these fighters in that flyweight division. So I expect Shevchenko to beat Grasso and at the end of that, call out Amanda Nunes for that. Listen, she, they've already had two fights, but I think and I know if she has a third opportunity, she will find a way and she'll be more aggressive because she wasn't aggressive that last fight. The first one I think she was decently aggressive with and I just don't think it went her way. But... I think Amanda Nunes is beatable with Valentina Shevchenko being at her best. So uh, that's some interesting breaking news that came down a little while ago. Again, Valentina Shevchenko, Alexa Grasso on that UFC 285 card, which is a March 4th in Vegas, which is a really nice card turning out to be. Um, there's uh, the UFC 286, Kamaru Usman, Leon Edwards, Justin Gaethje, Hoff, uh, Gaethje 
Rafael Fiziev's on there as well. We talked about that last episode. Um, and there's some other fight nights. Oh, the Marab the Marab Dvalishvili news popped up today. We talked about this. Aljamain Sterling may be out for a time. He talked about uh, an injury not too long ago. There's questions but with, with Sean O'Malley, Peter Jan, some other guys questioning uh, Chido Vera, questioning uh, Aljamain Sterling's health. So this is an interesting fight. First of all, I love this fight. March 11th, Pewter Jan versus Marab Davashvili. Davashvili, we talked about. I think that guy could be champion right now. Unfortunately, with Aljo having the belt, they're boys. Marab does not want that fight at all. Will never take it. But he'll be that like gatekeeper to get to Aljo. Pewter Jan, who we've already seen him fight Aljo twice. Obviously, the DQ that led to Aljo winning the belt the first time around. And then the second time where Aljo actually legitimately took the belt back. Um, it's a good fight for Pewter Jan, who I think is a really still one of the top elite bantamweights in the division. Davishvili, though, it's going to be interesting to see because Pewter Jan's a great striker versus Davishvili, who is just this intense, nonstop wrestler who, if he can't take you down once, twice, three times, four times, five, he's going to go 10 15, 20 times until he has worn you out. Uh, he's relentless. He's not impossible to defeat, but he is um, a very tough matchup for anybody in that division. And it's going to be, if that's a fun fight. And that's, a, again, uh, he's kind of, the, Marab's kind of like a gatekeeper right now. If, if Pewter Jan beats, beats Marab, Pewter may have to have a rematch. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
with Aljo. Uh, but if Marab wins and victorious and they have somehow Aljo has to give up that belt for whatever reason, if there's a Cheeto Vera rematch with Sean O'Malley or however they want to do it, I mean, Marab has a, has a possibility for an interim title in the future. I don't even know if he'd go for that if he's not comf- if he's not 100% positive of what's going on with Aljamain Sterling. I think Aljamain Sterling would have to lo- legitimately lose the belt for Marab to really put up um, a fight to try to take the belt from anybody. But that's a really good, interesting fight that was announced today. Peter, Peter Jan versus Marab Vashvili. And that's going to be March 11th. You have, yeah, Cheeto Vera's fighting Cody Sanhagen. Forget about that. So that's not going to happen anytime soon between Vera and O'Malley. But again, you're just you're just kind of kind of mixing a match to figure out what's going on with this band's weight division. Because you don't want to stay stagnant. You don't want Aljo to keep a belt that he's not going to be able to defend anytime soon. But you have to you have a lot of players. The bantamweight division is very good. Okay. So don't take anything lightly. They could take that belt from Aljo any moment if they really wanted to. Uh all right. So we have a big fight. We have the first pay-per-view of 2023. Main event, Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. Obviously, this is a the repercussion of the Ankalaev fight versus Jan Blahovitz, which was lackluster, according to uh, Dana White and a bunch of other people. And it kind of was, you know, but I also look at Hunter Strickland. Not Hunter Strickland, Jesus. I also look at uh, Sean Strickland and, uh, you know, his recent fights. And there's an output there, but those aren't exciting either. So if you're going to look at Blahovitz and Ankalaev and tell me that they were lackluster, I'm going to tell you that Sean Strickland did a lot of nothing. There was a lot of nothing. And I don't mean to knock Sean Strickland, but I'm just saying Strickland, Imov, Imovov, or Strickland, Cannoneer, there was a lot of strikes thrown, but nothing really behind it. And for me, you can't be main eventing stuff if you're not looking to finish your opponent, if you're not looking to land the punch that's going to take out your opponent. I'm not really sure why you're getting the, the main cards. I understand that Strickland kind of came in last minute for, for Gaslam, so that was a quick turnaround. But that's two fights in a row to me that Strickland looked lackluster. I know I'm going to get hate for that, and that's fine. That's that's totally fine, but that's just what I see. What You have two fights in a row where Strickland gave 10 rounds of output, a lot of output in 10 rounds, but really nothing backing it. And again, the, the biggest strikes he threw, he completely whiffed on Imavov. So he could stay in a pocket. He can land some jazz, land some strikes, but nothing that seemed too significant that was about to end the fight anytime soon. And that's why we got Glover to share Jamal Hill because of the Ankalaev versus Blahovitz fight was so lackluster. And I was just doing the comp there. So, and then also on this, we have the Davison Figueredo versus Brenda Moreno. So we're going to get into a bunch of different things here. We'll go to the early prelims, see if there is anything that's going to stand out uh, as far as early prelims go. You have off the bat, I mean, listen, you want an older veteran type of fight. You got the Werley Alves versus Nicholas Dalby fight, which is interesting. But to me, Dalby had a lot of hype behind him, never really was able to live up to it. Interesting in the welterweight division. Good, challenging fight for both. Who I don't know what their fight contract is. I don't know who's up for 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 fights uh, for their contracts. But that could be an interesting one. Is that is that a trying to stay in the UFC type of thing. I mean, listen, record-wise, 15-5 and five versus 20-4-1. and four, one. You'd think that they're still safe, but you never know. I mean, 
Nicholas Dalby, again, like I said, he's been around for a while, hasn't really been able to climb the ladder in that welterweight division. You have in the lightweight division, Ismail Bonfim versus an up-and-comer in Terrence McKinney. Now, we talk about the light, lightweight division, and that's another thing I forgot to say. Uh, it looks like Frivola, obviously the news of Patty Pimblett needing to get a, a not an ankle surgery, but I, maybe it is an ankle surgery, but he's got an injury. And it looks like he's going to put him it's going to put him out for a little bit. So Matt Frivola is adjusting. What's the next move? Who in the lightweight division would help build his career? Move him up in the rankings. I suggested this for a Patty Pimble fight. I don't like it as much for Frivola because I want to see Frivola. I'm putting uh, names against Patty Pimblett that I think would really check the guy. Frivola doesn't need to be checked right now. He's been challenged enough and he's done well. I, I don't want to see Frivola face Clay Guida, but that's what, they, that's what they're hounding for right now. And listen, that is a Clay Guida is no matter how old he is, he is a name. If you put him up there, Frankie Edgar's of the world, Randy Couture's of the world, towards the tail end of their career, they still put up big challenges, still put up good challenges. Matt Frivola is someone that, again, I don't think needs that fight, but if he wants it, I'm not opposed to it. I think Clay Guida would be down for any fight. It's a, it, that's that that is one of those fights though where it'll it'll check Frivola for sure because I know that Frivola is going to try to knock out Clay Guida, and that's not what happens with Guida. Guida. Uh, is all about the wrestling. And not saying that Favola can't wrestle, but Guida's going to be relentless. Clay Guida's going to give that Marab uh, Devashvili type of style fight where it's going to be, I'm going to try to take you down as often as and frequently as possible, and I won't stop for 15 minutes. That's why I don't like the matchup. I love Favola. If he wants that fight, I trust him, but I think there's better fights for him. This fight, though, Terrence McKinney, again, another up-and-comer, uh, in the lightweight division, up against Ismail Bonfim. I don't know enough about, about Ismail, but 27 years old, the height and reach advantage is McKinney. 18-3, though, is a pretty good record for for Ismail. But again, in MMA world, doesn't mean anything. It really does not mean a thing. Uh, and losses on, on the record mean nothing. Uh, you have Cody Stammen also in the bantamweight division facing Luan Lucardo. Uh, and then you have Shamil Abdurkimanov versus Jelton Ameda as the early prelim, the main early prelim heavyweight division. That's just thrown in there. Heavyweights are always fun to see. Uh, as far as the prelim card goes itself, you have a few fights were were scheduled and and gone. The Brad Tavares uh, being knocked off kind of sucks. Gregory Rodriguez is still there though, so that's good. Um, on here, Tiago Moises versus Miss uh, Melchizel Costa. Tiago Moises, Moises is an interesting fighter in the lightweight division. Again, a little pop behind him in, in previous. He's still young. He's still 27 years old. He last beat Christos Diagos, but he's been... Up and down recently. I mean, he lost to Joel Alvarez before that. Lost to Makachev uh, before that fight. Uh, actually was submitted in that fight. They got knocked out by Alvarez. But did beat um, Alexander Hernandez be- be- before the Makachev fight. So he's had an up and down career. You know, has wins over Bobby Green, Michael Johnson. So he's somebody that can withstand 
the light with the vision, but can't hasn't hit that hurdle yet. Hasn't been able to jump over that hurdle. The big names, um, and Joel Alvarez is not a big name to be honest with you. Alexander Hernandez is a is a bigger upcomer in the UFC, and he was able to, to defeat him. But he just is not the full complete package yet. Still young, still twenty seven. So to see him fight again, let's see what he has. I'm not really sure much against uh, Costa, but that'll be interesting just to see what he has, um, what he brings to the table on the prelims. Uh, you got Gregory Rodriguez versus Bruno Ferreira again. Ferreira stepping up last minute because Brad Tavares. Uh, fell off. Again, when you have these last-minute fights, you're not really sure what to expect. So, like, listen, Strickland came in last minute for first first uh, four Kelvin Gaslam, and he won. But does that mean much again? Not really. Um, Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Ihor Potera. I'm saying that name wrong. Shogun has got to hang it up. Hopefully, this will be the one that he does. Hopefully, he goes out on a victory and doesn't have to come back with anything because 41 years old, and he hasn't really looked good. Um, he lost to St. Pru. Obviously, St. Pru, he lost to Paul Craig. He did beat N- Antonio Ruggiero, uh, Ruggiero Nogueira excuse me, at UFC Fight Night 174 back in July of 2020. That's you know over two years ago now. His last victory, and he's only getting older. He's only getting worse, you know. And not it's not worse as in he's terrible. It's just he's getting older, and the competition is getting better. I kind of don't need to see much more of uh, Shogun Hoa. I love him, love what he's done for the sport. But I I hope he hangs him up. There's some fighters that you just need to see hang up. He is one of them. The light heavyweight division uh, appreciates what he's what he's done in his career, but it needs to be over. Now, let's go to the main card. It's a pretty good card. You got five fights on here, as most uh, pay-per-views are. UFC pay-per-views that are, that is. So you start with the main event, or the opener for the main event, Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker. I love this fight. I love Paul Craig. I love what he brings to the table. I love Johnny Walker, what he brings to the table. Light heavyweight fight. First off, Paul Craig, he's one of these fighters where you know what he gives. You know what he's about. He's 35 years old. He takes a punch like no one else. He's all about the submission. He's not going to go out there. He's not going to try to outstrike you. He's going to try to find a way to submit the hell out of you. That's what he does. Um, he did knock out Jamal Hill somehow. but And, and Hua as well, too, I guess. But if you look at Antagulov... If you look at the um, the Krylov fight, it's all about it's really all about submissions for Paul Craig. That's what he tr- he tries to do. If he if he gets a knockout, it's more of because he gets lucky. Um, but he's really basically gonna try to put Johnny Walker in the worst positions possible. If he takes a punch, but in doing so finds a way to get Johnny Walker on the ground, that's a good day for Paul Craig. As far as Johnny Walker goes, I thought he was one of the more um, Interesting fighters in the light heavyweight division. I thought he was going to give John Jones a run for his money. I always say that all the time. And he just basically fell the exact opposite way. Um, and it's unfortunate. He's 30 years old now. When he first came up, I think he was like 25. This young blood type of dude who had crazy knockout power. He was tall. He was versatile. 
He was agile. He was everything and more and power. And yet he was a little bit too immature, you know, hurt himself trying to do, uh, you know, a celebration, got knocked out by Corey Anderson. And then he's has, he's suffered some really bad knockouts actually over the past few years. So I'm not sure where Walker's at. He did beat, beat Iwan Kudalaba in his last fight. But again, that if you look at that Jamal Hill fight, that was one of the nastier knockouts we've seen in quite some time. I mean, just lights out. He did beat Ryan Spann. Um, he lost to Krylov by a decision. He's had some mixed fights. You know, but, but really that Corey Anderson fight really put him in the little of a... Uh, What's the word? I don't want to say purgatory. Purgatory seems too harsh for him, but it put him in this like limbo stage. I'm not really sure if we've seen the best of Johnny Walker because I'm not sure if the best Johnny Walker is available right now because whether it's injury, whether it's his mentality, I don't know if we've seen the best. What we what we saw what we saw of him when his early on in his career was amazing. I don't know if he can get back there either. It's a very weird thing when you've gotten knocked out the way you have at times. I think he could be a little hesitant. And he's not as flamboyant as he once was when he first started, which I like the flamboyancy of him. That's kind of what made him special. He was out there. He's a little egregious with uh, some of his antics, but that's what made him special. Now, Paul Gregg and Johnny Walker, it's two different worlds here because Johnny Walker does like to stand and bang. He likes the striking. He likes that power. Paul Gregg is going to want to take the fight to the ground. Can Johnny Walker... Um, is his jiu-jitsu good enough that he can prevent the ground game of Paul Craig? That's where we're going to see the difference because clearly I think the striking power is going to go to Johnny Walker. I don't think Paul Craig is going to want to stand and strike with him. Walker's a much taller guy sitting at 6'6". So I think that's really what, what's going to make the difference of the fight is are they going to stand or is uh, is Paul Craig going to get him to the ground? Paul Craig loves the ground. Uh, Johnny Walker does not. Uh, and I'll give my picks, obviously, Saturday before the fights and stuff like that, too, so you can just follow me at the Hoff WFAN. All right, women's flyweight, Lauren Murphy, former contender, uh, title contender versus Jessica Andrade, former title contender as well. Listen, Lauren Murphy is always an underdog in my eyes and somehow always finds a way to, to, to win out, except for the title fight versus Shevchenko, but she is an elite fighter in the flyweight division. She's decent on her feet. She's good on the ground. Jessica Andrajo is just a complete beast. She's an animal. She is, uh, her strength is outrageous. She's got thick legs, powerful strikes. She can, I mean, we've seen what she can do to Rose Nama Yunus, uh, taking her and, and, you know, slamming her and almost not, you know, the KO slam was ridiculous. Uh, but we've seen her beat Claudia Gadella in a very similar fashion, fashion too, where she just was relentless. But again, on, where Lauren Murphy is that consistent tactical striker, uh, technical fighter, tactical approach, Jessica Andrade is like a little loose cannon here and there. She doesn't always bring her A game. If she brings her A game, if she's just if she can just find a way to just demolish and eat up her opponent, it's an easy night for Jessica Andrade, but she's never perfect. She's not always perfect, I should say. Not never perfect, but she's not always perfect. You know, the Wally Zhang fight, uh, we we saw that she had some issues with. Um, we've seen did did 
did she have the rematch with Namri Yunus? I don't want to make that up if uh, that didn't happen. She lost to Shevchenko. Shevchenko made that one. Again, not saying it make it look easy, but it felt easy. Uh, she did lose the rematch to Nama Yunus in 2020. Uh, again, she lost to Wally Zhang. So she's had some really major moments. She looked really good versus Calvillo. Um, uh, she beat Amanda Lemos. So she's had some really amazing moments, but in this fight where Laura Murphy's so technical, this may be a harder fight for Andrade because she's really got to be composed. She can't uh, get her emotions get to uh, let, let her emotions get to her. She's really have to has to stay within herself, not get wild, but use her ability, use her strength, use the power that she has. I don't know if Murphy's going to allow her to get close enough to uh, to put her in compromising situations, but it'll be a good fight, interesting fight. Uh, Laura Murphy, again, not the biggest fan of her as far as uh, fighters go. I mean, I, I she's got an attitude. She's got a swag to her that, that's a little you know edgy at times, a little different, but a lot of people like her, and I think that's a really good matchup between the two, between Murphy and Andrade. You got Gilbert Burns with Neil Magny. Neil Magny... Last fight out be Daniel Rodriguez, who I love Daniel Rodriguez. I think he's a really great up-and-coming fighter in the welterweight division. I know he's been around for a little bit now, so he's not really an up-and-comer. But Magny had a great fight versus him. It's up a nice fight with Gilbert Burns coming up right here. Burns had his title fight uh, versus Kamaru Usman. Lost to Chemaev? I want to say he lost to Chemaev as well. Kind of After the Kamaru fight, he's kind of gone downhill a little bit. Lost to Chemaev, that's right. He did beat Wonder Boy, so had that decision, but now he's won, uh, lost two of his last three. So that's the point. Gilbert Burns going against Neil Magny. It's a good, interesting fight. It's fairly even. I mean, obviously, the height difference, the reach difference is completely towards Magny, but Gilbert Burns doesn't doesn't make a difference with him. He's going to find a way to try to out-wrestle Magny and see how Magny can do with that. It's, it's uh, you know Burns is not easy. Um as far as wrestling goes, jiu-jitsu goes, he's very special in that area, um, which made him difficult for, you know, Kamar Usman and some other fighters. But Nagny's a good striker as well, good on his feet. It's going to be an interesting fight between those two, that's for sure. Uh, Burns and Magny. And listen, if Magny can find a way to beat Gilbert Burns, that puts Magny on, on the top five, I think, of... Uh, of contenders in the welterweight division. I think Masvidal gets another shot before, if Leon Edwards keeps the belt, I think Masvidal gets a shot before Magny does. But Magny has to be considered for that, uh, for some sort of title eliminator fight at that point in time because he's made his way up there. That's for, that, that is for sure. He's been around for a while. He's 35 years old. Gilbert Burns is 36 years old. Making his way up there. Then you got the, the co-main event, Davis and Figueredo versus Brendan Moreno. We've watched this now three times already. What don't they know about each other? I don't know. I don't know what approach is going to change. They've been close fights. They've been fun fights. It's a scrappy fight. It's a it's a it's a relentless fight. It's a good flyweight fight. I hope that we have the final fight because we can't do this five times, and we have to find a way to make the flyweights more interesting. There's got to be somebody in the flyweight division to make this division sexier. I can't watch anymore. I can't watch any more of these two after this one. And it's no no disrespect to these two, but 
how many times are we going to watch Figueredo and Moreno go at it? There was the, the draw. You had a decision both ways, and now this is going to set it fair and square. Call it a day. Move on. Unless there's another draw. And if that's the case, I still want to move on. Because that's how evenly matched they are. That's really what it comes down to. They're both evenly matched. It's a good, fun fight. Any given Saturday, in this case. Uh, and then that, that's all. There's nothing more to say about Davidson Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. And then you got the main event, Glover, Teixeira versus Shamal Hill. Listen, Teixeira is a legitimate, you know, uh, amazing he could do anything he wants. He's great with the jiu-jitsu. He really, what he did with Alex Pereira versus, uh, versus um, um, Israel Adesanya was amazing. He's a great coach. He's a great fighter. He's a ch- former champ. Jamal Hill's going to knock him out. Jamal Hill is at this point now in his career where he, you can't, he's an elite fighter right now and there's nothing against Glover to share. We've, we thought, we thought about this before too. You saw him with Jan Blahovitz when he, when he won the uh, belt Glover to share how we we were like, Oh, at this age, what is the really going to do? What's he going to do against um How is he really going to be able to stop a, uh, a Jan Blahovitz? And he did. And he submitted him. But Blahovitz doesn't strike the way that Hill does. Like Blahovitz has that Polish power that everyone jokes about, um, but really it's his wrestling game and setup of submission skills, which really scared a lot of people, and they were trying to prevent that, and in doing so, allowed openings, and Blahovitz is a big guy, and he landed some really significant strikes, which which ended some people's nights. So you can't take anything away from the, the power of Blahovitz, but Jamil, Jamal Hill is a different style fighter. He's built different. His approach is different. His knockout power is different. Everything about Jamil Hill is just different. So I would really think in this case, I know Teixeira is going to want to bring this fight to the ground as quick as possible. Can Jamal Hill keep it standing? If he keeps his fight standing, it's going to be an easy day for for Jamal Hill over Glover Teixeira. And again, I'm not taking anything from Glover Teixeira. I think he's a great fighter. I think he'll find a way to keep it close for a little bit. Maybe the first round or two, maybe he'll be able to take some of that steam out of Jamal Hill. you got to remember, if Teixeira gets an early takedown, not saying he's going to submit Jamal Hill, we'll have to see how he's on the ground, but he does find a way to take him down at any 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 time early in the fight. That does take some of the energy, some of the power away from Jamal Hill. However, will that be able to happen? Will he be able to get close enough to the hill? The, the uh, reach is an advantage of Hill. The heights in favor of Hill. There's a lot of things that are in favor of Hill. And the youth factor and just, again, what we saw against Johnny Walker, what he did against Johnny Walker was ridiculous. Um, What we've seen against uh, Diego Santos, ridiculous. Jimmy, Jimmy Crute, ridiculous. So I just think that Jamal Hill really has an edge in this fight. Glover Teixeira is a champ, is a true warrior. He's been in in that cage for a long time now. Again, never going to take anything away from him, but I just do like Hill for this moment. This is going to be his moment. He's going to be victorious. Um, and listen, if not, if Glover Teixeira wins, good for him too. There's not the, not a bad bone in Glover Teixeira's body. That's for sure. And uh, and it'll be awesome to see him uh, with the belt too, but I just think that I, I lean towards Jamal Hill on this. I just think that he's got the edge. So, 
that's UFC 283. We'll do a post-fight as well. I'm on the air on Sunday morning, 4 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. after the Giants game and after the UFC fight. So I won't be talking UFC on the air on WFAM, but I will record a podcast right after the the event. So I'll post that up there so you can listen to that as well. Uh, Thank you again for listening. Again, I'll have that post-fight after UFC 283. You can always follow me uh, or watch me or listen to me, whatever, on WFAN. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Monday to Friday with Tiki and Tierney. And you can always follow me. Uh, also, the Rico Brony podcast. If there's any Mets fans, baseball fans out there, the Rico Brony podcast with Evan Roberts. We post uh, wherever you go, find your podcast. Just check it out. Rico Brony, Evan Roberts podcast. Uh, you could we, we put out two episodes per week. You can follow that. Uh, find that. And I'm out there doing that with, uh, with Evan Roberts. Or you could always follow me at the Hoff WFAN. Thank you so much for listening to the Fight Fam with Pete Hoffman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.